0: Great things are happening at FaithFi, and we wanted to take a moment to share. Your support allows us to continue producing the Faith and Finance radio show and podcast. We reach millions of weekly listeners with relevant and timely new content that answers financial questions from a biblical perspective. Additionally, with your help, we are launching a brand new Bible study series in 2024 that will guide people through an incredible journey of what God's Word says about money and possessions. These studies will both challenge and encourage readers to fully see the role money plays in their lives and grow in their relationship with Jesus. As we look forward to 2024, FaithFi would like to invite you to join us as we create a movement of faithful stewards who love God, love their neighbor, and make wise decisions with the money God has entrusted to them. Please consider sending a financial gift before December 31st to support our expanding outreach. Simply go to faithfi.com and click give. Now, on to the podcast.
1: season of the year,
0: those of us with means should make some slight provision for the poor and destitute. The workhouses—they're still in operation. They are. I wish I could say they were not. Oh, what can we put you down for, sir? Huh? Nothing. You wish to be anonymous? I wish to be left alone.
2: Hi, I'm Rob West, and that was Ebenezer Scrooge in A Christmas Carol. Are you making provisions for year-end giving in this festive season? I'll talk about a wise way to do it, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Well, the holidays are a time of traditions for most of us, and one of those may be special year-end giving. Many times that means just writing a check to your church or favorite ministry. But we want to thank the folks at the National Christian Foundation for a great article on an alternative way to give— and a new twist in 2023. Now, maybe you've wanted to make some special gifts this year, but economic stresses have taken a toll on your cash reserves. There are tried-and-true strategies for making gifts out of your IRA, and a new option to fund a charitable gift annuity that way. I know IRAs can be confusing, and eyes are probably glazing over all across the land, but stick with me for a moment. We'll break down the options by age, and that should make it easier to understand how to maintain or even increase giving to your favorite ministries. Of course, these are general recommendations and may not apply to everyone. You should consult with your CPA for specific advice based on your circumstances. Okay, here are a few terms you need to understand first. Adjusted Gross Income, or AGI. This is basically your income before you take your standard or itemized deduction. Regular distribution. This is just money taken from your IRA after you turn 59 and a half. It's reported as income on your tax return. Qualified charitable distribution or QCD. This is a distribution from an IRA paid directly to the qualified charity after the owner turned 70 and a half. In 2023, an IRA owner can make QCDs of up to $100,000 annually. The amount is not reported as taxable income on your tax return. Required minimum distribution, or RMD. This is money that must be withdrawn from an IRA when the owner reaches 72 or 73, depending on their birthday. You can satisfy this requirement by making regular distributions. QCDs, or both from your IRA. So you'll have to make distributions at some point, but you may be able to minimize the tax hit by taking certain actions based on your age. At 59 and a half or older, you can take distributions from your IRA without that pesky 10% penalty. You still have to pay taxes on that money, but you can offset some of the federal income tax by making a deductible gift to charity in the same year. That option is always available. In 2023, the deduction limit for cash gifts is 60% of your AGI, and that will be tightened to 50% of your AGI after 2025. Now, that's only for federal taxes. You should consult with your tax professional to see how cash giving affects state taxes, if any. Okay, here's the next age to look at, 70 and a half. As I mentioned, that's when you can make a QCD directly from your IRA to a charity. It does not trigger a taxable event because that money is not included in your adjusted gross income. Now, what's new in 2023 is that a cash gift can fund a charitable gift annuity, or CGA, QCDs are limited to $100,000 per year, but starting in 2023, you can make a one-time election to use $50,000 of your QCD to fund a charitable gift annuity, which will make regular lifetime payments to you or to you and your spouse. What is left afterwards is kept by the charity. Now, at age 72, every IRA owner must start taking an annual required minimum distribution if they haven't started already. You can do that with regular distributions, QCDs, or both. For example, if your RMD is $50,000, you can make a QCD of 30000 directly to a charity with a $20,000 regular distribution to yourself. You could make that 20000 a deductible gift to a donor advised fund at the National Christian Foundation. Go to ncfgiving.com to learn more. All right, your calls are next, 800-525-7000. Stick Around. Faith finds privilege to be on a remarkable journey with you, providing practical advice and biblical wisdom, helping individuals and families align their faith and finances. Our mission, equip Christians to integrate these decisions for the glory of God. Would you consider supporting our expanding outreach to
1: help others? Give your financial gift at faithfi.com and we'll send you a copy of the new book entitled Leverage Using Temporal Wealth for Eternal Gain as our thank you. That's faithfi.com.
2: Absolutely free. We know you've learned to be suspicious of those words, but really, you can get biblical financial wisdom delivered to your inbox each week absolutely free. Articles, videos, podcasts, and special offers on biblical resources. Nearly 60,000 people receive our free weekly wisdom email, and you can too. Create your free FaithBuy account by going to faithfuy.com and click sign up to begin receiving weekly wisdom in your inbox. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. Let's head right back to the phones to New Hampshire. Alex, thanks for calling. Go right ahead.
1: Hi. Um, my my daughter just graduated from college, and her fiance's graduating in December, and they're both 21. They're both debt-free from college, but um, they have really no emergency fund. They're thinking about buying a house, um, an FHA loan, Five percent down, six point seven five. Um, I've, I've kind of said just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do it. Um, yeah. I just, they, they just think they're going to accrue some, not waste their money on rent. And I just wanted your feelings on that. Um,
2: yeah, that. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely in line with your thinking on this. I mean, the challenge is home affordability is at its lowest level ever. I mean, we've got this one, two punch going on with higher prices and higher interest rates. So think about this, Alex. Three years ago, you could get a 30 year mortgage at 3% and the median price for an existing home in the U S was just over. $300,000. Now, fast forward three years later, the 30-year rate is close to 7.5%, and the median price has jumped to over 400000 So you've got buyers now facing monthly payments more than double what they would have uh, just three years ago. And unfortunately, uh, you know, there are no easy solutions other than to wait. Now, I realize the counter uh, argument to that is, well, rental prices are sky high, too. And I get that. The problem is, you know, we don't have folks getting out there overextended. Uh, a lot of folks that are renting homes right now, are locked in at much lower mortgages because they've had these properties a while and so they can afford, you know, to to offer them at a little less and so when you factor in the high prices of homes Plus the fact that we're at these you know we're more than double the interest rates we were three years ago, on top of the fact that you know you're saying they've got uh you know nine thousand to put down on I think a three hundred thousand dollar home, well, they're way off of our twenty percent target uh even ten percent would be thirty thousand down, and that would take their emergency savings down to zero, which means anything comes out of left field, and you know they're all of a sudden. Uh, you know, in a situation where they're going to have to take on credit card debt just to, you know, cover an unexpected expense. So I would just urge them, listen, I know you want to start building equity. I know you'd like to own your home. I know it doesn't make sense to, you know, feel like you're throwing money down the drain on rent. And yet you all, especially, you know, early in marriage, having not, you know, avoiding that pressure of taking on something that, you know, is just way more than you can you can afford um it is just not the way to start out and so i would just you know, not try to make that lateral move to a three hundred thousand dollar home as much as we'd all you know love to have that starting out and say listen we've got to start small we've got to think apartment we've got to think rent we've got to think keep our expenses low so that we can build up that emergency fund first to at least three months' expenses and then go on to save for that down payment and hopefully we're in a situation a year from now, eighteen months from now, where interest rates are lower." and at least home prices have stabilized. Does that all make sense?
1: Yeah, no it does. It's exactly what I was thinking and then the other thing is we don't know about the market. It might it might go back down a bit.
2: Yeah, I mean so the then, challenge then here then is did. and the the reason that you know the housing market hasn't dipped despite these high interest rates despite a looming recession is that we just simply don't have enough homes in this country we're about 2 to 3 million homes short you think about this i mean the uh, the millennials are now reaching age 30 they're starting families they want single family homes you've got a lot more people working remotely so they're moving out of these densely you know, populated urban areas to the suburbs and they're buying single family homes. So all of that, plus just not having enough new housing starts, has led to the fact that, you know, despite all these factors I just mentioned, housing prices have not only, you know, not come down, they're still rising even though they're not rising as fast a rate as we saw last year. So I would argue that even if we get into a recession, unless it's a much deeper recession than we expect uh, next year, I I don't think we're going to see much of a dip in housing prices. The benefit, though, is they're going to have hopefully more time to save if they keep their lifestyle at a minimum and, and try to live really modestly. And hopefully they will get some relief by, uh, you know, these mortgage rates coming down and they won't have to refinance, which that's going to cost them two to three percent of the cost of the mortgage, which is just money down the drain if they have to, you know, go into a home and then two years later look to refinance it to take advantage of lower rate. So I think, you know, the prudent approach is to to just start slow. Let's try to target that 20% down payment. Let's make sure that principal interest taxes and insurance payment that they ultimately have for a mortgage is no more than 25% of their take-home pay. And let's make sure their big three, food, auto, and housing, stay under 65% of the budget. If they can do those things, they're going to set themselves up for success. Yeah,
1: well, thank you. I, yep. It's just nice to hear someone else <laughs> say what I was thinking.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Let me do this, Alex. I'm going to send you a copy of that book that I mentioned, uh, Money in Marriage God's Way from Howard Dayton. I want you to give that to them as a gift and uh, see if they wouldn't be willing to, as they're going through the engagement process, see if they can work through that maybe a chapter at a time and just start getting ready to think about what it looks like to live on less than they earn and understand the power of giving, that it can break the grip of money over their lives and that they need to understand God owns it all and that we're called to be faithful stewards. I mean, all of these things are just so important. Not only that, but just beginning to talk about what lifestyle is God calling them to and what is giving going to look like as a married couple and just all these things that they're going to have to wrestle through. If they can think about that now, they will be uh, way ahead of the game when uh, when they do actually get married. So listen, God bless you, Alex. Stay on the line. Amy will get your information. We'll get that book, uh, Money and Marriage, God's Way, right out to you thanks for calling today uh to st louis missouri hi dean go ahead
3: hi um i was wanting to know um like on a insurance claim check do you tie it on that check i'm expecting a check to have my roof read done and i'm just wanting to know do i do i uh tie it on that check
2: yeah, well, I appreciate that question, Dean. I mean, clearly you want to honor the Lord uh, when in your giving, in your proportion of giving. Uh, you know, if you're going to apply the principle of the tithe, uh, it's based on your increase. So the question is, is an insurance settlement an increase? And I would say it's not, uh, because you had probably damage to your roof. Uh, was it caused by a storm or something? What happened? Yes, a storm. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So you had a storm come through. You actually had a loss uh, of value uh, because you had a damaged roof. You have insurance, which is what a wise steward does to protect you against that risk. The insurance is making you whole. So you're at best staying even. At worst, you've lost a little bit of value in your house because you now have a repaired roof unless they're replacing the whole thing. And then you may have a slight increase. But the bottom line is that insurance settlement is to make you whole. It's not an increase in any way. And therefore, if you apply the the principle of the tithe, it doesn't apply.
3: Okay. All right. Thank you so much.
2: You're welcome. Thanks for calling today. We appreciate you being on the program. I'm Rob West. You're listening to Faith and Finance, and we'll have more of your calls and questions on the other side of this break. The number to call is 800-525-7000. We'll be right back. As a faithful listener of
1: this program, you know that there's life-changing financial wisdom in God's Word, and FaithFi is here to help you and millions of others learn to be good and faithful stewards. As a nonprofit organization, we rely on help from monthly FaithFi patrons, supporters of this mission, to help us continue and expand our outreach. Has God provided financial answers for you through this ministry? If so, consider becoming a monthly FaithFi patron. Visit faithfi.com and click Give. We are grateful for support
2: from Sound Mind Investing in the Faith and Finance program. If you have money in a retirement account or just a general investing account, you know the stock market can sometimes seem like a roller coaster. But it is possible to enjoy both profit and peace of mind in investing, no matter what's happening in the market. You can see a short video webinar on that topic at soundmindinvesting.org. Since 1990, Sound Mind Investing has sought to offer financial wisdom for living well. Soundmindinvesting.org. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. Hey, before we head back to the phones, let me remind you: Faith and Finance is listener-supported. So, if you've found some benefit in this program, maybe you listen regularly, you have uh, taken some of the advice and applied it in your own life, and you'd like to support our work, we'd certainly be grateful. The more you give, the more people we can assist in understanding God's principles of managing money. It's uh, quick and easy to give online. Just head to our website, faithfi.com. That's faithfi.com, and just click the Give button. It will take you right into a form that you can give online securely. You'll find a phone number there if you'd like to give over the phone, or you'll find the mailing address, and you can send a gift in that way. Thanks in advance. All right, let's head back to the phones to Lombard, Illinois. Maria, you'll be next on the program. Go ahead.
3: Right now, I'm receiving a pension due to a divorce. I'm getting 4700 and I had to... Um, start my social security um I get at 62 I'm 65 right now um and I'm getting 600 okay I have a little part time here and there um I would love to save for a town home in a few years in a place where the taxes are not that high in you know, like in like in Illinois right so Will I be doomed? I mean, would I be okay if, if I continue with those plans? Because I hear that pensions don't last forever. And at this age, you know, it's kind of, I'm, I'm a little, a little concerned about my future.
0: Sure. Is that a good well,
3: question? Can you uh,
2: can sure you it, oh absolutely Maria, I appreciate that. Um tell me more about when you said pensions don't last forever. I mean it, it should last forever for the rest of your life. Uh what is it you're concerned about there?
3: I hear and I really need to get more into I don't know if you know about it, but they say that if if my ex husband passes Lord protect them, hope, you know, hope that never happens. But if he does, then the pension is over for me.
2: Okay. All right. Yeah. So that, so that certainly is a possibility and you'd want to get more information on whether there was a a spousal uh, benefit to that or whether that was on his life only. Um, beyond that, what other, um, and you said, when are you going to start taking social security?
3: I already began uh, uh, due oh. to the pandemic. Uh, my cousin passed away due to COVID. So at 62, I you know, and I'm like, I got scared. Everybody was scared back then. So I said, oh, wait a minute. I'm not going to wait until, wait you know, later. I will start collecting at 62. So, yeah, I, I'm 65 now. So I started collecting at 62.
2: Okay. And you're taking uh, your own benefit, not your husband's, ex-husband's benefit. Is that right?
3: Right. Yeah, I have to wait up for his because he's not. He's not. He's not. He's barely started. He's he's sixty. So
2: yeah. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So that's not. Yeah. And and you can take the higher of the two. So you'll when the time comes, you'll want to see whether that would be higher than your own benefit. Um, you know, taking up to fifty percent of his. Um. Okay. So you're continuing to work, and how long do you plan to do that? To work. Yes.
3: The part time I'm a caregiver, so as long as people need me.
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah,
3: part time. Right. I'm healthy, you know. Yeah.
2: Okay. And you're renting, is that right?
3: I'm renting, yes. Okay. I had a we had a house for over thirty five years and at the end of the divorce and everything found out that he owed the whole house. So yeah, we didn't have we lost the house. Yeah.
2: Got it. So okay.
3: yeah now. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And I see here in my notes that it sounds like you're rebuilding your credit. Tell me about that.
3: Yes. Well, since I um you know, since I, I touch I mean, since I touched the pension, you know, they gave me half of his pension, then um he also gave me fifty thousand dollar debt that he you know, he had he was up to his neck with debts which I didn't even know. So I'm like, wait a minute, I can't pay for for that, that's not my debt. So I filed for bankruptcy. I
2: see. Okay. So now
3: I'm building up my credit.
2: Okay, very good. Well, here's the thing. I mean, is there any problem with you buying a townhouse in this season of life? No, I don't think so, but not till you're ready. So you being ready to buy a townhouse is going to take some time in that, number one, you're going to want to improve that credit, which is not going to happen quickly. It's going to happen by you being an on-time payer over time. And hopefully you have maybe a secured credit card or some sort of card where you're putting a modest amount every month, maybe even, you know, just 10 or $20 a month unless you're living on it. But the key is that you're an on-time payer every month, you're only using it for budgeted items, and you're paying it off in full. That's going to report you as being an on-time payer with active credit, and that over time will improve your credit. The problem is right now, we've already got high interest rates at 7.5%, you know, more than double where they were three years ago. And on top of that, with you having poor credit because of the bankruptcy, you're going to be paying a really high rate. So I don't think this is the time for you to buy a house anyway, which is probably okay because you need to get a little bit further along in saving. Now, if you're putting money away for that down payment when the interest rates are better and when you've got more saved and hopefully when this this debt that you acquired through the divorce is gone, uh, well, hopefully at that time, you know, it does make sense for you to buy something. But even if it doesn't, all you've done is put money into a savings account, which can just be available if you ever need it down the road. So I think at this point, your key is just continue being an on-time payer, let's rebuild that credit, let's really watch your expenses, set up a budget, live by it, And then just work as long as you can so that you can save and hopefully put something away so that, you know, as you continue to work, you're building up a little bit of a nest egg that you could use to supplement your income down the road. And maybe there's a higher benefit available as a spousal benefit on Social Security when the time comes. But if not, at least you've got the pension plus your income plus Social Security. Let's take advantage of this season why you have three income sources to save and invest for the future. Does that make sense?
3: Yes. Yes, it does. Thank you so much. It does. All
2: right. All right, Maria. Thanks for your call today. May the Lord bless you quickly to Columbus. Uh, Janine, I've got just a minute left. Go ahead. I expect to have these other costs for the home. The challenge Hey, is- uh, Janine, maybe turn down that radio a little bit and let's try again. Are you there? All right. Doesn't look like that's going to work out. Well, folks, let me just tell you how much I appreciate you being along with us today. You know, we covered a lot of ground today, talked about a host of topics. And I think at the end of the day, the goal here is to recognize that our objective is faithfulness. You know, it's faithfulness to opportunity. Uh, What have we been entrusted and what are we doing with it? And our goal here on this program each day is to help you be that wise and faithful steward. So when you stand before God and give an account, and we all will, you hear those words well done because you've looked to scripture, you've held God's money loosely, and you understand that it's, it's a gift, it's a blessing, what we have because we can enjoy it. We can provide for the needs of our families. We can give it away to help others. And when we look at it through that lens and focus on an eternal perspective, well, it allows it to be a blessing in our lives and certainly not uh, a curse or anything like that whatsoever. We appreciate you being along with us today. On behalf of my team today, Lynn, Amy, Tahira, and Jim, Thanks for joining us today. I look forward to talking with you again next time on Faith and Finance.
1: Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.